Welcome, Welcome to, to the Better, Better Call Daddy Show. This is Big Daddy. Oh my God, that's hysterical. More stories you are not going to believe. And advice that you didn't know that you needed. Five stars. Five and a half stars. We're creating a legacy one call at a time. Here comes my daddy. Your problem is, is that you like me. My dad is my hero. He'll always be there to take your call, and you'll never be in too much trouble if your dad is around. Oh, boy. Hey, hey, hey. I think I'm a pretty cool dude. Better call daddy. The safe space for controversy. This is your host, Rena Friedman-Watts. No, this is your host, Celia Watts. More inspirational stories, more daddy drama, and more laughs. Hey, a lot of these things, I don't know where you're getting them from. It sounds like they're coming from when I look in the mirrors. Damn the public. Damn the public. <laughs> the great ones are willing to share their secrets to elevate others. And in the process of elevating others, they elevate themselves. Joshua Holland, today we are going to simply walk the talk. Welcome. Hello. Good morning. You know, in preparation for this, I was like, okay, I can't be sedentary this morning. I need to like start <laughs> with some morning sunshine. I literally just went for a walk with my husband. We both had on our headphones and we were listening to separate podcasts, but I walked awesome. for 45 minutes. Yeah. And I feel good from doing that. I really feel like I need to start. And I was listening to an interview with you and Dustin Baker. Ah, yes. Yes. That's a good one. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think I would probably have to listen to that twice. Well, first of all, thank you, Dustin Baker. I'm actually in Florida now, and he and I were supposed to try to meet for the, the concert tour that I'm on right now. We were going to try to meet because I think he's based near Orlando, but I think he just had a baby, not he himself, but he and his, his wife, I guess his partner just had a baby. So we didn't get a chance to reconnect, but I do plan on having him come back on because when I recorded that podcast, it was, you probably noticed, it was right before I started taking the BioPro Plus. Ever since then, I've been taking it and a few of my clients have been taking it and it is incredible. I actually have it here on my bedside table. So yeah, it's really nice. And he was talking about like most people feel, you know, a difference in their energy levels about 12 to 14 days in. Would you say that was true for you? To be honest with you, one of the things that I noticed right away was my sleep quality. And that was the first two nights that I took it. I noticed it right away. In fact, not that this is a plug or, <laughs> or you know, a sponsorship for BioPro Plus, but these are the two products that we're talking about. And so the quarter sleep product is one that you take to sort of improve your sleep. And the other one is more for human growth hormone just in general. With the sleep one, I noticed the effects literally right away. So within the first two nights, I was like, whoa. And I'm someone that focuses a lot on sleep. And I feel like sleep is really at the kind of highest priority when it comes to optimizing health and wellness. And so if, if a person can really hone in on focusing on optimizing their sleep, I feel like everything else just gets better. And what's really interesting is that that's actually the cheaper one. So it's about a hundred bucks and, it, and I have a code and so that you can save some money on there. But when taking this, if I explain this to a few of my friends or colleagues or, or family or whatever, I always say, just start with that one. See if you notice a difference in your, in your energy, your, your sleep, your libido, your sex drive, all of that stuff. And then if you want to kind of take it up to the next level, then get the other one on top of it. And most everyone is kind of like, they message me back. They say, okay, wait, so how do I order this? 
Yeah, so, yeah like good. who wouldn't want to make those things better? <laughs> right, 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 exactly. What was interesting too, and the part that I feel like I need to re-listen to was he was talking about how to best get it into your bloodstream and how different products, you know, can either be, you know, inserted rectally or, you know, with a shot or orally, like there's different ways to make it most effective. That's right. Yeah. You know, it's something we call bioavailability. And and basically that is how readily available can something be absorbed? And some people don't realize that, you know, we have a gut brain barrier. We have a blood brain barrier. We have so many barriers within the body just to kind of keep things where they're supposed to be. With a non-synthetic product like Bioprotein Plus, you just, you take it sublingually and hold it for 90 seconds under your tongue, not the vial, but you know, when you pour it out and it's pretty, pretty like bioavailable because it sort of mimics what our bodies are supposed to, to make anyway. And that's what I love about it because, you know, you don't have to take a syringe. You don't have to use a syringe. You don't have to carry around a bunch of cold packs to keep it cold and things like that. And it's also considerably less expensive than the synthetic route, which is, I mean, a lot of people kind of high profile people who are looking to optimize their performance, they realize the benefits of it. So to spend a couple thousand dollars each month on some products that might work is no thing for them. But for people like myself and people that I'm close to, you know, I try to do my best to like research a lot of these things so that I can say, you know what, this is actually as good, if not better, and it's considerably less expensive. So why not? (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting because I asked my audience, what would they want to know from a celebrity fitness trainer? And one of the questions was, what proteins are you taking? So who's the celebrity fitness trainer? You. I know you don't call yourself that and you're way more than that. You're a health optimization coach. Um, But yeah, yeah. that was one of the questions my audience wanted to know. I mean, what about whey protein? You know, what are your thoughts on all of these things? Okay. Yeah. Great question. And, you know, I love that you kind of go direct to your audience to find out what they want to hear, because I think that's what this is all about. And again, I don't want to get into a situation where it feels like this is a long commercial, but I try to do my best to find the best products out there. And one of the best proteins that I take is called Keon Lean Protein. And yeah, so this is one of my favorites for now. I've been taking this for a while. It's a grass-fed, grass-finished whey protein. And this is Ben Greenfield's company. It's called Keon. And what I like about this is that it's unflavored. It's non-GMO, gluten-free, grass-fed, soy-free. It's basically just a pure protein. And I mix that with a lot of other things like fermented glutamine. I use also, you know what? Look, I'll just show you. Yeah, <laughs> so, you've got it all handy. Yeah, it, well, it's right here. And to be honest with you, my work, the reason why I'm, like you mentioned, more than just a trainer is because if I'm working with someone and they literally give me their sort of their health in my hands, then I say, okay, well, how deep do you want to go? Do you want me to just train you just to show you some exercises. Cause I can do that. Of course. You're like, um, check out my Instagram. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. You I got know, lots of videos. YouTube. Yeah. It's, it's like, that's the easy part to be honest with you. And I'm sure we'll get into this, but in my book, I have five pillars for optimal health and wellness and the exercise piece, the fitness piece is at the very end. Not that it's least important, but when you're trying to triage the best way to optimize someone's health and performance and overall wellness, there's a number of things that are more important, I feel, than, than the exercise piece. 
and even the nutrition piece. So when I work with a client right now, I'm on tour with Roger Waters and he is one of my favorite clients in terms of, he literally says, you're the boss. What do I need to take? What do I need to do? And so I do everything from focus on helping to kind of clean up his diet, clean up his sleep environment. You know, we, we focus on breath work and meditation and a number of things. So the reason why I have this handy, this, this protein and the sort of the protein drink that we make each day is because I literally do this every day. So I just hand him a shaker bottle <laughs> and he doesn't necessarily question it because everything we're doing is working. And it's not that we don't want people to question things because I think it's healthy to, to be sort of skeptical about what's happening. But when you find someone like myself that you trust and you find someone that you understand that, that they've done everything that they can to try to specify and prescribe a protocol for you, then it's a lot easier to say, okay, you know what, let's try this for two weeks and let's see what happens. And, you know, someone who like Roger, who is 78 years old, he'll be 79 this month. So someone who's approaching 80 years old, you could imagine that he's done a lot of things throughout his life. And to make it easier while he's on tour, to not have to worry about, do I go to GNC? Do I go to Whole Foods? What do I buy? He just says, Josh, you're the boss, whatever you want me to do. And so even just before this interview right now, I just message him just to say, hey, listen, I'm going to be unavailable for the next hour or however long, but make sure to order your eggs. I'll have a shake for you soon and we'll do a strength workout once I finish. And so for him, he can wake up, he can see that, he can say, okay, the day is already set. And in his shake and also in my shake, I do the Keon Clean Protein. I do fermented glutamine. Glutamine is really good. It's an amino acid that is really good for healing the gut lining. A lot of people today have what's known as leaky gut. And it's just kind of a, a weird term or a fancy term for gut permeability. Our gut lining should be more like a mesh lining that has very minimal holes. But when you get something known as leaky gut, those holes start to open up a little bit more. So foreign particles make their way beyond the gut barrier. And that's when the, the body starts to fight against itself because it's like, wait a minute, what's, what's happening? What's going on? And if you don't sort of do a, an elimination diet or you don't do a gut testing panel, it's probably hard to understand how that's affecting you. And so you can use something like a glutamine to kind of help heal the gut lining so that then anything you take beyond that gets absorbed properly. And you start to see that you have less brain fog. This is a really good product to use for recovery after exercise. It's good in dealing with inflammation. So I always include this. Another product, and you can always stop me because I can ramble, but <laughs> another product. I, How long I have you been taking that? I mean, I've been taking it for quite some time. I think one of the things that is, I guess, known about biohackers is that we tend to take a lot of things to try to see like how we can move the needle. But there is this idea that I kind of toss around a lot within myself. Like if you don't give it enough time, if you don't give a certain product enough time, then how do you know that that's, that's the thing that's really making the improvement? So what I try to do is I stick with something for a considerable period of time and then I switch. But I've been taking this product for, I'd say at least a year. And then I include MSM crystals. This is a very bitter taste, but I think on my Instagram, I, I listed a book that I, that I read, several books, but there's one specifically that I put on my Instagram, I believe, that talks about the benefits of MSM. And I don't want to even try to, it's like uh, methyl sulfon, 
methyl sulfon methane, something like that. But this is really good at healing joints. So a lot of people have joint pain, as we know. And so when you can include this into a product, it's, it's very bitter. But when I include it in the protein and the glutamine and other products, then you don't really taste it. But it has a considerable effect for, for joint pain. And then I include colostrum. So, I heard you mention that in the interview and my husband is like, what is he like going and finding women like <laughs> that are having babies and stealing it from them? Or like, how do you get, the, yeah. Like, how is that even made? So this is bovine colostrum. It's from animals? It's from, yeah, it's from, okay. it's from cows, right? And it's known as, you know, mother's, mother's milk, I think is what, it, what they call it. But it's basically, it's extracted from when a cow gives birth. And sort of like the first bit of milk that they produce for their babies is known as colostrum. And it has a lot of healing properties in it. It's really good for, for gut health. It's really good for inflammation. It's good for a lot of things. It's considerably amazing for immune health. But again, the gut is our immune system. The gut lining is known as our immune system. And so when you can heal the gut by using products like this, then then you can kind of start to go, oh, well, maybe this product that I'm taking, I don't need that anymore. Maybe that product I don't need anymore. And you can kind of really start to heal the gut. A couple more things. In the shake, I also include creatine. Creatine for a lot of people, it used to get a bad rap in the health and fitness space because mostly athletes were using it and people say, oh, you know, it creates too much water weight and blah, blah, blah. But creatine is, is really good for cognitive boost as well, especially for people over the age of 30, 35. So I use that to kind of, for Roger at least, to kind of build up his muscle mass because he's gotten down to like 165 pounds. I think when we started out before this tour started, he was at like 178 pounds. He's now down to like 165 and he's 6'1". So he's very lean. So I've been including creatine in his shake. And the last thing that I include, sometimes I put a little bit of maca in there, which is really good for testosterone, boosting testosterone. But the last component I add in is LMNT, which is a, a salt hydration pack. And the one that I like the most is called chocolate salt. You know, when a person is dealing with blood pressure issues, a lot of times the, the classic information from the traditional medicine doctor or the MD is, oh, you got high blood pressure, so you should stop having salt and you should stop doing this, stop doing that. And really, salt gets a bad rap, but salt is a very beneficial mineral that we need. It's actually sugar that becomes the issue. If you think about taking sugar and then adding a little bit of water to that sugar and you let it sit, what happens to it? We all know that it gets sticky right? So imagine when sugar gets in contact with the blood or the plasma, what happens as well. So if there's too much sugar floating around in the bloodstream, it gets very sticky. And that's what creates this sort of buildup of plaque or this, this glycation, as we call it, in the blood vessels. So when you add that on top of everything else in a bad diet, that's what ends up causing this high blood pressure. So when I deal with that with a client, I say, okay, let's look at reducing, severely reducing your sugar intake by way of alcohol, by way of, you know, all these sugar alcohols, by way of just refined sugars. And then of course we do take out refined salts. 
So you don't want all the refined salts, things that you would get at like a restaurant. So we include things like uh, pink Himalayan salt or Celtic salt or Celtic salt. And, you know, you kind of start to see how the blood pressure normalizes because the body wants to, it, it wants to normalize on its own, right? It wants to get into a balance, but you got to allow it to do so. So that shake all together with a little bit of ice, maybe a little bit of milk, grass-fed, grass-finished milk, that is, shake that up and it tastes like a, an amazing smoothie. He loves it. I love it. You know, I've seen right before my eyes, Roger's health has just completely transformed. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, that's impactful. Yeah. I heard you doing an interview with someone else too. Forgot who it was. It might've been Dustin. I, I listened to a couple back to back. So <laughs> where he was talking about, he used to develop these regimens for athletes. Was yeah. that Dustin? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. he would be like a little bit even frustrated because he would develop these, you know, videos or routines and then they would only do part of it. And right. And he felt like that was less impactful. Yeah. And, and you were relating to that. Oh, absolutely. You know, here's the thing. I'll, I'll try to explain this the best I can. But in my world, you know, and, and in fact, I'm about to, you'll probably start to see on my social media over the next, I don't know when this is going to air, but over the next few weeks and months, I'm going to be doing a call to action to try to bring on people to do what I do. And I want to help cool. coach them. Yeah. I want to coach them so that it's not just Roger that is benefiting from my expertise and my, and my skill set. I know there's a lot of amazing trainers out there. There's a lot of amazing nutritionists, a lot of amazing doctors. And so my goal is to kind of build this tribe to kind of do what I do. And one thing that I love the most is working with someone like Roger, because like I said at the beginning, when you can have a blank canvas and you can sort of throw a lot of things on the wall and see what sticks, then it really allows me to hone in on my craft. You know, because if I'm working with someone, they have all the money in the world and they want to buy all the supplements, buy all the tools, but they're not implementing it. Then how do we know? How do they know? And how do I know if what I'm you know, suggesting works? You know, and it's I can't expect people to do what I do. I mean, I I've got all these tools. I've got so many bags and I'm not even a band member, but I probably have the most things that I'm carrying around because just right before this podcast, one of the guys, one of the security guards that was walking with us on the beach yesterday or the day before, he ended up puncturing his foot on some seaweed on the beach and it kind of got infected. And so he knows, hey, Josh, what do you got? Right. <laughs> and it's like, that doesn't necessarily mean that all trainers have to have that in their wheelhouse, but yeah. Have you taken all, like no. CPR or sports med or? Well, I, I have, I have, but I mean, <laughs> It's like, that is not the prerequisite for a NASM certification or an ACE certification, right? Like I am so far beyond just ticking the box to say that I have a, a certificate that says I'm a trainer now, right? And so I want to work with people that enjoy doing what I do, because this is when you can really move the needle and help the most people that you can. Like if the goal is to actually help people, it's beyond the check. It's beyond the money that you get. It's beyond even the, the gratification, right? Like a lot of people, if you, if you know, you know, like I, I like to use that term, if you know, you know, and I don't need to be on social media saying I'm a celebrity trainer and I work with these celebrities because it doesn't really matter at the end of the day, right? When the journalists come to the show and they see a 79 year old man dancing on stage and jumping around and running around and doing a world tour 
at that age. And, and they mentioned, oh, he looks so fit. He looks so healthy. He looks so vibrant. You know, people start to ask. They start to ask more questions. So what is he doing? And what I love about Roger, he's just like, well, I got my guy. You know, I, I got my guy and I love that. So that doesn't make me go, ooh, like I'm validated for what I do. It makes me go, you know what? I'm going to hunker down and do even more. Like, how can we move the needle even more? And so if he's not feeling good, like I'm at the show, I don't have to go to every show, but I do go to every show and I'm watching him on stage and I'm like, he's breathing a little more than, than he should be, right? He's breathing a little too hard or he looks a little bit nervous because, you know, everyone has adrenaline and everyone gets the jitters, right? Or he looks a little unstable with his, with, with his walking. And so what I do is I just kind of file all of that. And then I check in with him. We check in every single day. I'm probably the first phone call he makes every day. And it's like, we check in. Now, how often do I get a chance to do that with my regular clients? Not often. I might work with someone two or three times a week. So maybe I have an opportunity to kind of go, all right, how well did you sleep? And if we're on a schedule, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, like I would love to be to a, to a point with my clients to where truthfully they go, you know what? I didn't sleep well last night. I don't think today's a good day to do a strength workout, but that's where Roger is because we've worked together so long that I know that he's not going to blow me off because he's just tired and he was out partying or he just didn't feel like it. If he truthfully is not able to work out, we both know. And so then I can adapt to that. And so I need to be able to have enough things in my toolkit to be able to handle that. So can we go out on the beach to get them out of the hotel? You know, let's keep in mind, we're still kind of in a COVID bubble these days. And so we don't really get a chance to be out and about. And so how can we best get him a good workout? Can I keep him in a zone two cardio state, which basically means he can, he can aerobically train. He's not huffing and puffing. But I can also get him the benefit of grounding by being barefoot, walking in the sand, which is a very challenging workout. And we do that for 30 minutes, 45 minutes. And he can thank me for that and not, not think about like, well, this wasn't a one hour and we didn't get a chance to do strength. Why am I paying you to do that? No, he knows that I'm taking care of his health and wellness for the longevity right? The longevity of his career, of his life, you know, so many things. So yeah, yeah that's I can a very get long holistic. <laughs> that's a very holistic approach. Another question that I got, and it's from someone that, you know, that made the introduction shaker, shout out to shaker, but he was like, you know, Madonna could have any trainer. Have you thought about that? Like the fact that you got to go to the Hamptons with her over the pandemic? Yeah. So yeah, shout out to Shaker, by the way, Dr. Shaker Pie. It's a very, very good friend. I would literally consider him one of the best networkers and connectors. You know, he's he's really good at what he does. And, you know, he, you may have noticed he was on my show. Yes, I and, listened to it. It was a great interview. I loved yeah, it's it. It's so fun. It's so fun. Sweet. And it, you could feel the rapport which I yeah. just absolutely love. And I think that makes a really good interview, actually. Well said. He's someone that has created the connection that I have with Troscriptions. So my connection to Dr. Ted Achikoso of Troscriptions and Home Hope, my connection to them has been profound. And it simply started because of Shaker. Basically, I love his expertise because he's one that really can dive into the gut panels and the blood panels and and all of that stuff. And so I, I went through those protocols because that's what he's an expert in. And so I use that to also help my other clients. And, 
you know, whenever I met him, I, I, I love him because he's one of those guys that's like, wait a minute, Josh, but you train all these people. You train Raj Waters and, and Madonna and Oscar Isaac and Gigi Hadid and all these, you know, all these amazing people. Like, why don't you, why don't you talk about that? Or why don't you say that? Well, I feel like you have to kind of separate the celebrity from the everyday person. And at least that's my approach, because when you start to get caught up in who that person is and, and where they are, then it starts to get convoluted in your mm. approach. And so over the years, I've been able to, to establish very good relationships with all these people that I just mentioned and more. But, you know, I constantly am in communication with Madonna. I've worked with her, I think, late 2008 for about four years into uh, 2012. And then I uh, broke off and did my own sort of my own business. I started my own company, my own fitness and wellness company. And throughout the years, I kind of get called back in to do various things. And even she has seen that when she first met me, I was trying to be a dancer and, and a fitness trainer. And I was doing the whole dance fitness thing. And she's seen my evolution throughout the years. And so she calls on me like pretty constantly to, to ask for advice. And I go in in and out do to do various put Madonna projects. in place. How do you give them pushback? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of back to what I was saying before. It's when a person respects you for what you do, then that is sort of the the barrier, right? That is the the bar. The bar is set at respect, period. And so, you know, if I was how I was when I first met her, just kind of trying to mimic what her trainer at the time was doing and Tracy Anderson was her trainer at the time, I was kind of helping out. And so I was in my lane. I stayed in my lane. But then I think she saw that when I broke off and started my own company, I think, you know, there was a little bit of words in her ear that was like, oh, you know, did you see Josh is doing this? He's doing that. And so she would call me in and I would go to dinners with her. I would go to her concerts and I'm still keep, kind of keep in touch. And in fact, the reason why I met Oscar Isaac is because of Madonna. Mm. And so I think she saw the work that I was doing with Oscar and how well he started to improve and then, you know, so on and so forth. And so when you kind of stay elevating, just like she does with her own career, she's constantly evolving. I think she wants to work with people that are constantly evolving. And I don't become complacent, but I'm very happy with what I do. But I'm, a, I'm such a curious person that I want to know a little bit of everything, you know, or a lot of everything. But I don't approach it with the perspective of I know everything. I approach it with I'm curious about everything. And, you know, she can come to me and say, hey, what do you think about this supplement? What do you think about this? You know, I always approach it where it's like, hey, look, I've tried it for myself. I'm very different than you are. You know, I'm a you know 41 year old man that has a very specific performance outcome that I want. And she's not that, right? She's in her 60s, she's a dancer. And so sometimes they will call me to, to find another trainer. They will call me to find a, a massage therapist or a physical therapist or whatever. And so my, my thing is like, I kind of I kind of look at myself as like a consultant amongst people who really do want to make change, period. That's amazing. Have there been any funny moments with any celebrities that you can share? Anything that oh, sticks out in your yeah. mind? Probably too many. I mean, <laughs> so many that I, I mean, you know, I, I don't even know how much time we have, but like the thing that I think is most interesting though, because, you know, I try not to, to be too deep into the explanation of what I do with some of my clients, especially at that high VIP level, because I think that's what keeps me relevant. That's what keeps me in the game. You it's know, a secret when, sauce. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, because like, you know, if I was out there on social media talking about everything I do with my, with my high profile clients, then I think at some point you start to kind of get less text. 
you get less phone calls, you get less opportunities. But, you know, and also I'm not defined by who I work with. I'm, de I'm defined by what I do and what change I can make in people's lives. And then they talk to their friends and they talk to their, you know, their loved ones. And that's what keeps me going, you know? And when I can sort of stay grounded, knowing that I'm being appreciated because, you know, I get a raise while I'm on tour, which has happened on this tour or, um, thank you. Or I get a bonus or, you know, I get someone reaching out to me. Like I, I just recently, I got reached out from this company in the UK, this production company in the UK that wanted me to do a wellness retreat TV show. And I, they wanted me to be the host. And I thought it was an amazing opportunity, but it conflicted with the dates of this tour. So what would it look like if I abandoned this tour for a couple of weeks to go and do that? Well, then I think people would see me as the person that's looking for the next best opportunity or the, you know, the shiny toy, but that's not what I'm about. You know, I feel like the universe is going to provide as long as I am very intentional about what I do. And I kind of, you know, I just stick to my lane, you know, it's my lane is I'm the health wellness fitness coach, you know, every once in a while I get asked to, to like with Roger, you know, he's, he's an older guy, right? So a lot of times he'll ask me to help him with his, with his Apple TV or with, you know, something that's happening with his computer. And I, I laugh, I smile about that because it's like, it's the best way to kind of keep me, it's like a one-stop shop. And, you know, I don't have to be transactional with anything I do with him or my, my clients because, you know, the work speaks for itself. I think it speaks for itself. And so, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but I think some of the funniest moments are when I'm on tour and, you know, it's like watching Roger, like the, like, I think I can specifically speak about this because, you know, he's feeling so good about himself on stage that we talked about showing him how to dance. You know, he knows I used to do some dancing with, with Madonna, you know, so we talked about showing him how to dance. And so if you go to his show now, you see that he dances on stage and he's never done that. He's never done that. And to be able to, to speak to him on a level that's like, hey, look, you're not a dancer. You're not known for a dancer. So who cares what people think? You know, you should just express how good you feel and how appreciative you are that you have bums in the seat, as he says, right? As he has butts in the seats and he has people there to listen to his platform. So why not express that by, yeah, I'm not going to give you choreography, but I'm going to teach you how to groove. I'm going to teach you how to move. And that's what it should be all about. Now, if you're Madonna, she's a dancer, she's a performer. So I wouldn't ever try to show her choreography, but I know a lot of dancers because of her. So I could go out and find the best choreographers and say, hey, can we work together to come up with a few routines that maybe I can do that I can then show her? Or maybe we just bring you in for a couple of weeks to come up with some new fresh routines that she can do as her cardio because she doesn't like to run necessarily. So let's make it as fun as possible. But, you know, Roger, when, when I was showing him some dance moves, he was like, oh, man, the, the other night, like I wanted to like jump and click my heels. He's like, but then I remember, no, 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 let's not <laughs> let's not ruin all the, the, the benefits we've gotten so far, because like if he hurts himself, then, you know, he's at that age where it's going to take a long time to recover. So he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. But the fact that he wanted to do that, to jump and click his heels on a stage, which it means that he feels youthful. And I love that because that's a different mindset. You know, it's 79. You said, I mean, that's amazing. That's incredible. Yeah. And how freeing. I love what you said about, yeah, it's just expressing his music and, and that yeah. you made him feel free and confident enough to do that. I think the, the audience would definitely resonate with that. They'll feel that too. Yeah. Yeah. They'll exactly. mimic that. 
Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's the difference between someone sitting in the seat at a concert and, you know, watching it, enjoying it, because obviously there's a subset of people that go to concerts simply to rock out. Perfect. Fine. But this show on this tour right now is very much a show that forces people to think because there's a lot of text on the screens. There's a lot of sort of poking the bear. It's very controversial, but it's one of those shows where the opening line of the show is like, if you're one of those I love Pink Floyd, but I can't stand Roger's politics, people. Then he, he says, you might do well to, to fuck off. Excuse my French, but <laughs> you, might, you, you might do well to fuck off and go to the bar. Well, that sets the stage right, right then and there. It's like, well, you should know, like if you go to Roger Waters' concert, you should know that this is way beyond just Pink Floyd music. This is about trying to, to create a movement to get people to think. And so, and I love how he sets up the rest of the show by saying, we're at the bar. Right. And when people go to the bar, they if you and me and, and, and anyone listening, if we were at the bar, you have a few drinks in you, opinions come out. Right. And it's just back and forth. And not everyone agrees when you go to a bar. You don't always agree with the person that you go to the bar with, but it should be a, a space in which you can have opinions. You can discuss different topics and you can go, well, you know, what? that's not been my experience. Or that's not what I think. I, I heard this or I heard that or I saw this or I saw that. And that's what he uses in the arena to say, hey, at Orlando or in Miami, you now are the bar. This is the bar, everyone. And so some of the things you might see on the screen may not resonate with you, but we should be able to share opinions. We should be able to talk. And I love that approach. You know, I've been able to work with him. I've been working with him for so long now. I think we started back in 2015, but over the last couple of years, since the last tour in 2017, I really start to kind of listen. And it's almost like having him as a mentor has been incredible. It's been profound. And you shouldn't expect, he shouldn't expect for people to always agree with him. But that's not the point. The point is, is can we have a conversation that goes somewhere? You know, if you want to go to a concert that is simply about music and bobbing your head, cool, do that. If you want to go to a show that really causes you to go home and think, and maybe search something on, on your computer or search, search something on your phone, then he's done his job. That's what he's there to do. So if I can support your book. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in a roundabout way, he definitely has influenced my book. You may also notice that Dr. Ted wrote my foreword. He has also impacted my, my book in a lot of ways. And one of the things that I know you and I talked about before, before today was a very interesting approach to my book called The Awareness Shift. And I actually experienced a true awareness shift several days or maybe a week after I finalized my manuscript. And that's when I experienced my true awareness shift. And to kind of struggle with this idea of like, damn, do I rewrite the book, rewrite the manuscript, or do I let it be? And of course I let it be because that's kind of how I am. I feel like science is unlike politics. You know, in, in politics, a person has a, has a platform and has a stance. You have to stick with that for the rest of your career. Otherwise, you, you're known as a flip-flopper. But in science, science should evolve. And so I took this approach to say, okay, my book, that completed manuscript up to that point, was exactly where I was up to that point. And what's really interesting, and you're probably the first to, to be able to kind of share this, is that the day after the publishing company, once we got to our launch date, I believe the launch date was June 28th of 2022, that was an incredible moment for me and Tessa, the co-writer. We were able to celebrate. June 28th, we were able to celebrate like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. 
In fact, I think it was two weeks before, I think it was June 14th or maybe June 11th. My birthday is June 12th. I got the physical copies of all the pre-orders in my hands in my apartment. That was my first like celebratory moment. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like we have a book, it's written, it's amazing and it's here. But then we get to June 28th, which was the official launch date. And it's like another celebration, yay. And between the day that I got the pre-order books and June 28th, I had to send out all of these books, you know, like physically go to the post office, send out about a hundred books to, you know, internationally and, and domestically. And for me, that was a very important moment because I was able to handwrite a bunch of notes to people who helped support the campaign. We get to the launch date and the next morning, June 29th, Tess and I and a few other authors, we received a letter that says the publishing company was going bankrupt. And it's like, wait, what? What What do we do with that, right? Yeah, how and, do and you so, deal with that? <laughs> right. And, you know, of course, the way I work is I, I'm, I'm kind of like a puzzle solver, right? I like to solve puzzles and I treat sort of everything like a puzzle. That's why I'm so curious. And June 29th, when I woke up and I saw that email, I just thought, wow, this is a very complicated puzzle. And do I have enough pieces to put it together? And I just wanted to sit on it for a moment. And I wanted to kind of just think and meditate and figure out what do I do with this? And what does this mean? I quickly realized, whoa, like all of this, like I had all these plans to promote it. And I had all these plans to do these marketing campaigns and these click funnels and do all these things. And I was just like, nope, I got to slow down. I got to stop. I got to halt everything. And so Tessa and I, we had considered doing self-publishing before we signed on with the publishing house. And we realized that like, wait a minute, this might be a silver lining because to get to the actual launch date, you know, you have all these deadlines and there was a lot of things that were missed in the book that we didn't get a chance to do, right? For example, at the end of the book, there's a bunch of recipes, recipes of, of my own. And I think it's really funny because as the book stands right now, even like, you know, today, August 26, 2022, if you go on the Amazon, you can still get the book. It's print to order until we switch over. You can get the book. But as it stands right now, there's literally just Josh's recipes at the back of the book. And that's it. There's no context to it. It doesn't explain why I decided to put that in there. It explains nothing. Now we get the opportunity to rewrite that. We get an opportunity to revise some of the things that were missing in the book. You know, balance is a big part of my everyday being. And that's not in the book because mm -hmm. we didn't get a chance to include that because of the deadline. And so some of the things you're going to see in this new, you know, this updated revision is one, it's self-published. It's going to be self-published and it's going to have all of the updates. And so, you know, I, I feel like it's a silver lining. It's a lot of work, right? But this is another awareness shift. You know, what do you do with that? Most people would crumble and they would be completely like, you know, you get the monkey off your back by saying it's launched, it's good. Let the powers that be kind of let it, let it go, right? Publishing house should take care of all these things. I would maybe do some appearances here and there, do some signings. I planned on doing a book tour along with Roger Waters tour. I had to scrap all of that, but I now have the opportunity to revise it, to have it be what I truthfully want it to be. So I can include some of those things that I didn't get a chance to include previously. So I feel like it's, we're at a good point. <laughs> also, you raised $18,000 in yep. a crowdfunding campaign. Like, how did you do that? Well said. Yeah, good point. One of the things that I thought was really cool, you know, I have no bad feelings with the, the publishing company that we worked with because it did help us to get 
to the point that we got to. And I knew that it was going to be a monumental task to try to do, do it self-publishing. And I knew it would be considerably expensive. And so the company at the time, the publishing company, they had two options. You could enter into a contract with them. You could either pay them their fee to do everything, which would have been, I think it was like 10 grand, which is expensive, but that's what it costs to do, to, you know, to publish a book. It costs a lot of money. Or you could enter into a crowdfunding campaign to kind of leverage your social media or leverage your network to kind of help put your money where your mouth is, right? And so we kind of put some information out there and we went to social media and we we did a crowdfunding campaign in which they supported. And I was floored by the amount of people that supported it. And I think our goal was 10 grand or 12 grand just to kind of get to that point to to make sure we didn't have to pay any money out of pocket to the publishing company. They got their piece. And so everything above and beyond that was for all the other things like photo shoots and marketing and you know all kinds of things. And so we use that to to really to get us to where we are now and beyond. And I think it was incredible and I'm so thankful for those people that, you know, went into their pockets in the middle of a pandemic, right? There was a lot of people who lost their jobs and didn't know where they were what they were going to do, what their next steps were, but they supported the campaign and I'm just beyond grateful for that. That's so. really beautiful. I want to ask you a larger question around that. Like, what do you want your legacy to be? I mean, obviously creating a book is part of that. Yeah, that's a very deep question. And for a long time, ever since I was in college playing basketball, I'll never forget something that I learned from one of my coaches. His name, his name is Coach Bob Batisti. And he was kind of like the Bob Knight of Indiana. Uh, in a, yeah. Bob Knight, for anyone who doesn't know, was sort of known as like this hard nose, just tough as nails, really controversial and aggressive coach, but he was very good. You know, he got his teams to win championships and, you know, is known as one of the best coaches around. Bob Batisti was, was basically the Bob Knight of NA, NAIA, which is the division that we played in. And I, I never forget, like, he would always say to us, what legacy are you going to leave? And this was, you know, back then I was, you know, in my early twenties, you know, I was like 19, 20 years old, 21 years old. And, you know, I didn't really understand what that meant like I do now, but I did have a certain understanding because it was beyond what's happening on the court. It was beyond what was happening in a season even. You know, he's like, what legacy do you want to leave on the court and off the court? And that stuck with me till today. And it still sticks with me. So when you ask me that question, I'm like, whoa, this is big because leaving a legacy goes way beyond me, goes way beyond Josh, you know, and that's what I'm trying to do. And that's, it's also what I'm helping Roger to do, you know? And so if I can help him be as healthy as possible, then his legacy is going to be even greater than he could probably even imagine. Right. And so if he's able to continue doing shows, he's able to be healthy. That means he's able to extend his platform, which then enables me to extend my legacy. You know, my legacy is to help people who, who want to be helped because not everyone wants to be helped, right? A lot of people will throw money at me to say, hey, like I, I remember we were in uh, Philadelphia and I was in the, you know, I tried to lead by example with, with my fitness and, and things like that. But I see this guy on the elevator and I thought it was so funny. He's like, he's like, hey, hey, bro, I had my headphones in. I was about to go, you know, work out. He's like, he's like, dude, you're jacked. He's <laughs> like, 
Yeah. Like, what do you do? And, and I, I'm not one to pride myself on, you know, you very rarely see me with my shirt off because it's not even really about that. Like, you know, having a six pack or having big muscles doesn't mean you're healthy necessarily. Right. But that's okay. So when he said that, I just kind of smiled and I'm like, thanks, man. I, I guess that's a compliment. Right. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, thanks, man. And, I, and that was it. Thanks. Appreciate it. And he goes, uh, he's like, what do you do? Are you, are you a trainer or something? I was like, yeah, actually I am. I'm a, I'm a trainer and I'm a health coach. He's like, oh, okay. He's like, you must train celebrities or something. And I'm like, some would say that. And he goes, well, you got a card on you? Like, yeah, yeah, I do. I give him my card. Never heard from him, which is okay. Totally fine. But it's like people sometimes feel like they, they say that they have a trainer just so that they feel important. But like, mm. what are you doing with that? Like, what, what are you doing with that? Are you just throwing money at someone so that you can pay them for their time? If so, that's fine. But let's not, you know, pretend like we're going to the gym to actually work out to improve your health and wellness. If you really just want someone to hold your hand while you're in the gym, let's call a spade a spade. Let's do that, right? If you just need someone to talk to, if you just think I'm attractive and you want to have a cute, you know, good looking trainer, like I'm okay with that, but let's call it what it is because I don't want to waste your time or my time or your money or my money because <laughs> time is money. And so, you know, I, I don't even know why I even got on that, but like <laughs> I-, I I basically want people to understand that like I'm doing real work here and everyone is different. And so when I can get to the deepest roots of who you are as a person, who you are, what you want in life, I'm not going to train you to, I'm not going to have you doing CrossFit if you're not a CrossFit athlete or if you're not trying to do that, right? If your goal is to have longevity in your career, then what is your career, right? If you're a rock star, and you want to rock out, I mean, we're going to be talking about getting a, a vocal coach, possibly. We're mm. going to do breath work, right? We're going to do zone two cardio. We're going to do all the things that help you achieve that, right? And at some point, one of these days, Roger's going to say to me, well, I'm not touring anymore, but I still want to work with you. So then what does that look like? Maybe it's just helping you to be the best husband you can be for the rest of your life, the best father you can be for the rest of your life. That looks very different than going on a world tour. So yeah. Yeah. I have another question. Now you didn't grow up hanging out with celebrities. You grew up in a small town in Oklahoma eating little Caesars pizza. I heard you talking about that. (laughs) Did that ever weigh on your mind? Are there moments where you're like feeling imposter syndrome or, you know, that you didn't come from the same class or do you ever think about that? Absolutely. I absolutely. I mean, anyone that says that they don't, I think would be just not completely telling the truth, which is there's no reason for that. There are certainly times, not as much lately, because I'm very confident in what I can bring to the table. And it's it's showing with my work, right? So I have the utmost confidence with, with what I do. But leading up to this point, there's certainly been times when I'm like, man, uh, like I'm working with with Madonna and she's doing an interview or, you know, someone will reach out to me and say, like, we're, we're doing a big article and we want to, like, for instance, uh, I got reached out to by Men's Health. They wanted to cover my work with Oscar for Moon Knight. And that was a moment in which I'm like, oh, crap, like, well, what are they going to ask? And what did we truthfully do? And like, there were moments when we we had to scrap everything that I had laid out for Oscar because he was so busy during his shooting. And I'm like, oh, man, but like, what, what am I going to say about that? And, and then I was like, I don't have anything to worry about. Like, I, I can just be completely honest about the whole approach. And that's what I did. 
but it has nothing to do necessarily with where I come from, except that I am humbled by where I come from. And I completely am grounded because I know that I could easily be back to where I was. I could be poor. I grew up very poor. And I don't say that for people to kind of feel sorry for me. I say that to say that I now understand that it could all be taken away from me and I can celebrate everything that is now that has been earned throughout the years because nothing has been given to me. Everything has been earned. And my, my upbringing taught me that, right? Like I had to mow yards. I had the opportunity to mow yards and to shovel snow and to when I was 14 years old, I got my first government job where I'm getting, I'm getting taxes taken out and all these things. I was 14 years old. And on Sundays, on the weekends, I was the, the manager of a subway, of a sandwich shop. And not many people were doing that at that time. But it just goes to show that like, if you hunker down, you learn the ropes and you do what you can, people start to trust you. And then you start to understand. And it's like, okay, I moved on from that. And I didn't think like that was going to be a career for me. I knew I wasn't going to be a sandwich maker for the rest of my life or what they would call a sandwich artist. I wasn't going to be that for the rest of my life. But I took that understanding and that skill set and, you know, always being on time or being early, right? Which, it, which is very interesting that I say that because I was two, two minutes late to this interview. <laughs> I was going to call you on that. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, look, look life, you know, it, it, it is what it is, right? But, but I always try to be early. And you know what, you want to know someone who really influenced me in that department is Roger Waters. Now, this is no shade on anyone else that I've ever worked with, but someone at his caliber, he could easily say, we're going to work out at noon and then show up at one or one thirty or whatever. He could easily do that and it would be okay, right? But he's going to be on time, if not early. So what does that tell me? That if I'm not early, then I, I never want him to enter into the gym without me being there, right? Because that just doesn't look good. And it has happened. It has happened maybe three times over the, the amount of time I've worked with him. Maybe three times, right? I've worked with him since 2015. And those times, he just kind of nudges me and goes, ah, you know, where, 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 I beat you to the gym. Like, traffic? What's up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? And so that's impactful, you know? That's very impactful. But also, he's like that with his crew. He's like that on tour. This is someone that I get a chance to see. He knows every single name of the 140 people that work on his crew on this tour. He can look you in the face. You could be a person that's hanging from the rafters, that's doing lighting, that's running the camera. And if he passes you in the arena, he can call you by name. What do you think that makes that person feel like? I love that. It makes them feel amazing. And every venue that we go to, across the 42 shows we're going to be doing in this North America tour. Every person that's outside of his door, that is the local security that's kind of watching his dressing room, he knows their name. And what does that feel like to that person? They can go home at night. Maybe they had to sit there for three hours while there's a concert going on. And they're sitting there and they're reading a book because they're just making sure that no one without a pass goes into his room or in the hallway. They might be reading a book, but when he passes them, he'll be like, hey, Calvin, what, what book are you reading? What book, did you finish that book yesterday? Like that to me, it's like a really good example. And I feel like tours go well from the top down. And so if he is nasty to the caterers, if he's nasty to the security guards sitting outside of his room, that trickles down to everyone else. And then you kind of see these rumblings of different arguments happening and different, you know, egos coming up. But just like everyone else, he eats in catering. You know, like I've been on other tours where, you know, the, the artist, the main artist gets their special meal, right? 
not Roger. You know, he, he does get a special meal in terms of what we list on the, the, the menu. There's a little icon, like a little heart icon, because I spoke with the chefs to say, okay, Roger is eating like this, you know, no sugars, no whatever, no, no bad oils and whatever. So, and no gluten, things like that. So if there's a heart by something on the menu, he knows that that he is okay per Josh's request and per what the chef has prepared. So what does that make everyone else feel like? Well, look, you can eat the, the food, you know, that you normally would. If you want to have a burger, or if you want to have pizza, or if you want to have whatever, right, that's fine. But if you want to be like Roger, you want to be somewhat healthy because everyone sees it, then like maybe choose that food, you know, choose that meal for tonight. You know, there's some things that we do ahead of the show. Like I warm him up, I stretch him, you know, whatever he might need. I give him certain things. And every once in a while, you just see people kind of going, hey, Josh, can I maybe try some of that ketone fuel that you're, you're giving Roger before the show? You know, like I give him what's known as ketone IQ. And now I get some of the band members that are like, hey, you got any extra of that? You know, you got any more of that? What is that patch that you put on that, you know, you gave to the drummer because his back was spasming? And I don't really have to pitch anyone on anything. That's what I meant by the, I kind of lead by example because he leads by example. And so when people are starting to, to get healthier on this tour, most tours, people don't get healthier as they go. They usually, the health kind of declines because it is stressful. It's a lot of work. You're traveling late and people drink and all these things. But if the trainer is not throwing back drinks and eating late at night and going to sleep as soon as he gets to his room and things like that, then you might kind of go, maybe I should rethink what I'm doing. And that's, that's cool. Cool to me. You know, you don't have to, but hey. Why not? <laughs> I'm excited to hear what my dad has to say about this because I, you know, I think he could make some better health choices and yeah, he's definitely going to be interested in this conversation. Is there anything that you would like to ask him? I would like to ask him, what is he doing to optimize his health and wellness? And like, if he could identify where he wants to be, and it's kind of a morbid thought. I get this, this question I'm, I'm about to ask. It's kind of adapted from Peter Atia, Dr. Peter Atia. He's mm-hmm. amazing. He asks, what is your last 10 years of your life look like? And what do you want to be able to do in the last 10 years of your life? And I think he calls it the marginal decade, marginal decade. So, you know, if you think you're going to live to a hundred, right? This is kind of that arbitrary number that's thrown out there for a lot of people. But if you feel like you're going to live to a hundred, then what do you want to be able to do at 90? You know, what do you want to be able to do from 90 to 100? You know, let's be realistic about that. Most people aren't going to say they want to be able to do a muscle up or they want to be able to, you know, run a mile in, in, you know, in seven minutes or whatever. But whatever that might be, like just adding the awareness to that means that you're having to think about what the last 10 years of your life looks like. What do you want to be able to do? Do you want to be able to walk up the stairs without holding on to the handrails? Do you want to be able to get up from the ground without using your hands? You know, these are the things that, that Roger focuses on. And we talk about these things, you know, and it's not the best conversation to have, but it can be, it really can be. I love that. Yeah. That's an awareness shift. Let's talk about how people can find your book, subscribe to your podcast and what is next on the horizon for you. I I'm excited about that coaching program of teaching other people to do what you're doing. I mean, that would be massive if you could replicate that with others. Yeah, I'm definitely definitely trying. Yeah, like for a long time, I kind of coined the phrase, the academy. I will be going down the path of like trademarking various things, but I've kind of shelved it as the academy for right now, just so people kind of get an idea of what that might look like. But the best way to find out about my book is books.joshuajholland.com. As of right now, that's the best way to find it. I'm sure there will be 
there probably will be some changes in terms of the publishing and maybe where it's available, how it's available. But for now, that's the best way to find it. My website is joshuajholland.com. There will be some updates there as well. And on Instagram and all of social media, probably the best way to find me is the same thing, at Joshua J. Holland. And I've been fortunate enough to have that across all the platforms. I'm also boosting my YouTube. And so I'm driving a lot of traffic to my YouTube channel. Everybody go subscribe. Yeah, please subscribe. I want to do something very special for my subscribers in the future in which I roll out uh, specific protocols and videos for the subscribers. So I'll be, I'll be doing some things like that. Also my podcast, Simply Walk the Talk, which you can find that on social media or just go to any of your preferred podcast platforms to find Simply Walk the Talk. And uh, maybe we get you on there at some point. <laughs> it's so good. It's really Thank good. You. Yeah, Thank I, you. Yeah, I was like binging it. It's really good. Thank really you. well done. Yeah. I would be honored. Uh, yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. And I, I realize this is probably long, sort of a longer chat, but I, I feel like this is what, I mean, trying to uncover what I do takes way more than just in our podcast. And, and this is why I wanted to start a podcast is so I can kind of explain a little bit more about what I do because it's, it's very deep. It's very in depth. It's a lot to it. There's a holistic approach there. And I really love that. I respect that. Thank you. Yeah, it's been an honor. Thank you so much. And I want to be respectful of your time so you can get back to Roger when your next version of your book comes out for sure. We'll have to do around you. I would be honored. Yeah, definitely would be. Thank you so much. And to all the listeners and followers, thank you for you know staying with us up to this point if you have. And yeah, let me know if I can help out or answer any questions for anyone. Okay, thank you so much. Now. Let's switch it over to Grandpa. Okay, uh, this is your interview with Joshua. And to start off, isn't this just like a grandmaster of chess, where they're will- you're, he's willing to collaborate with other people that do exercising and health, and where he's willing to share his ideas, collaborate, and get other expert ideas, and be able to really create a legacy of of helping all people and elevating all people to not only do it, but to teach it as well. And that is a great thing for your sport or for your profession. I like what he says also that in life, if you really want to achieve something and you really want to be taken seriously and respected, you have to earn it. You have to do it. And, you know, we talk about walking the walk and versus talking the talk. And the name of his podcast is Walking the Talk. <laughs> so that's really what it's all about. You can say all you want, but those that lead by example, those that are doers, those that are givers, those that want to respect other people, no matter where they are on the chain of life, those are the people that elevate. Those are the people that are real leaders. Those are the people that really ascertain not only wisdom, but really impact with their own lives and the lives of others. I definitely think impact is what he's after. I mean, he could just stick to working with one or two celebrities, but he wants to make a much bigger difference. No, I even like how he writes a book. There's always complications to everything here in life. It doesn't get published. And he looks at it as an opportunity to add to it, to be able to show that, again, that he's has an evolution about himself, that whatever he's talking about or doing, that it can always be better. And he just looks at it as an opportunity to do exactly that. 
And isn't that what really life's all about? Is that achievement doesn't stop because you want a trophy. It's a continuum. And not only, as you know, what your father would say, it's not even just in my lifetime, but I hope in your lifetime, in your children's lifetime, and their children's lifetime, that whatever I've done will have an everlasting effect on the people to come. And that's what Joshua is telling you legacy means as well, is that he wants to make a presence with as many people as he can, not only to help other people with their physical working out or or achieving the best health results for whatever sport that they're playing or, or whatever they're trying to achieve. But he asks a very interesting question. I don't even know if I have a good answer, but he also wants to tell you that he wants to work with people that are going to be 80 or 90 years old or 100 to what kind of plan do you have to live the best years of your life? You want to be able to be around where you can't move. And the answer for me is obviously not. I want to be able to have my thinking and my ability to walk like Charlie Munger or Warren Buffett, where these guys are running billion-dollar enterprises in their 90s. I want to be able to have a presence of whatever I'm doing with all the life that I have. I never want to stop achieving. I never want to stop learning. I never want to stop gaining wisdom all along the way. And isn't that what professional people are attracted to? They're attracted to people also that are real, that are sensible, that are caring, that are compassionate for other people and want to continue to achieve. But it's not necessarily an individual achievement. It's one that you can share that with as many people and have an impact with as many people as possible. And as your father just stated, I want to be able to do it where I have an impact, hopefully on my, all my family's generations. And that's what was taught to me. So having a really good mentor, being proud at what you do, and continually trying to learn and achieve, and being able to help other people be the best that they can be, that's what it's all about. You know, I talked to your mom today, and she said that she's been pushing herself so much that she even fooled herself. She said she didn't even realize that she could make such a comeback, but now she can walk up and down the hall. She can make it to the bathroom. She's been appreciating, look at the sun coming through the clouds. And when I told Will that, my husband, he was like, maybe that's why in the Asian culture, they put the elderly up on a pedestal because they start having these realizations later in life. And it's almost like a Buddhist monk, you know? And the fact is, is that she continues to show a bright example to all of us. And to answer Joshua's question a little further is that I also have to come up with a plan of where I eat better and exercise better, because I was certainly a little vulnerable after I got this COVID, which I thought was terrible. And now I got this shingles thing, which is like getting whooped with a hundred lashes every day these last few days, where you just wonder what it's all about if you don't have your health. My grandfather used to say, health is wealth. If you don't have your health, nothing else matters. Somebody says that we would rather do this, or I'd rather do that, and I can make more money doing this and make more money doing that. But if you don't have your health, all meaningless. So I agree with Joshua. I'm going to work on hopefully a, a better plan because I want to be able to live as long as possible, but I want to be healthy. I want to be able to do it in a manner where I can get around and where I don't have to rely on anyone else. I want to be able to pick up myself. I now know what it is, feel suffering. You know, the the COVID was bad enough. But like I said, having the shingles as bad as I have it right now, that is quite a beating I'm taking. So the fact is, is that 
a lot of these adversities, as I mentioned in the previous episode, these are the things that you never forget. You always wonder, why does bad things happen to good people? Because when these things happen to you, you then absorb this experience by, by living it yourself, where you can appreciate life much better and you can appreciate the suffering of others because you've been there, you've done that. I think I even mentioned to your mom that this John McCain that didn't want to leave his troops, didn't want special privileges because he was the son of an admiral in the Navy during the Vietnam War, and they had negotiated his release. He says, I'm not going anywhere until all the rest of these people are released. And they broke every bone in his body. They whooped him. They were not going to do anything but try to break him. And he took punishment day after day after day for five years. That's a lot of punishment. That's a lot of anguish. Yeah, he read a line at the end when the war was over. He was released. But he used that type of adversity, even though they might have broken him. But it took five years to break him. He became a senator and he even ran for president of the United States. He had a lot of compassion for people and understood what real suffering is about, what real loyalty is about and dedications about, and where he didn't put himself in front of anybody else. I think there's a good lesson in that. I don't want you to suffer. Oh, oh. I hope you feel better. Oh, I hope so too. Because I think if I jumped off the uh, Empire State Building, I think the gravity would take me down just like anybody else. And I would just go, <laughs> please don't. And guess what? I understand when people are really suffering and they're getting whooped, how easy it is to just want to give up. And we don't want our people as they age, they have to suffer where we hope that we can have programs and we, where we have compassion for our elderly so that they can be not only in the best of health physically, but mentally as well, and where they can live every day that God gives them, where they don't have to suffer. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Better Call Daddy Show, please feel free to review it at ratethispodcast.com slash bettercalldaddy. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. 